Myra Rodriguez started working for Planned Parenthood as a young woman. Well, over the years, she moved up to be a clinic director. That's when she saw some very, very dark practices that she had not known about before. In fact, she blew the whistle and was promptly fired. But like so many brave mamas, Myra did not take this termination sitting down. She stood up and she fought. Her story is amazing and it's coming up next. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, special guests tackle the issues facing the moms of America today. Discussions include personal stories and advice on how moms can build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their homes and country. Hi, I'm Debbie Kurlitis, your host, and thank you once again for joining us here on the Moms for America podcast. I'm so glad that you're here, Mama. Uh, right here at the top of the show, we do want to invite you to like and to subscribe to our podcast. Please go ahead and do that. Unfortunately, we are being censored everywhere we go, so we need to uh, be sharing and uh, spreading the word. Uh, we also do ask that you share this with your mom friends and let them know about these podcasts. We believe that they're just great information about the culture and uh, help our community raise strong, powerful children. All right. I also do want to invite our moms that are listening here to join the movement at Moms for America. If you've not joined us, would you please come on and join us? We are moms uniting all across the country, fighting for faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. You can check us out at momsforamerica.us, uh, who we are, what we're doing, and all the resources uh, and all kinds of seminars, webinars, everything that you can imagine we are providing for you as a mama as you uh, train up your children. Also, if you have an idea for the podcast, like maybe a special guest or a topic that you would like to discuss or some feedback, would you email me personally at podcast at momsforamerica.net? I would love to hear from you. Alrighty, on to today's program. Well, Myra Rodriguez grew up in Mexico but she came to the U.S. as a young woman hoping to live out the American dream. That dream came in the form of a job at Planned Parenthood. Myra worked there for over 15 years and moved up the ranks. She was quite the superstar at this Planned Parenthood clinic. In 2016, she became the director of the largest, and I'll hear this, the largest abortion clinic in Arizona. But once she was in that position, she saw a different and much darker side of Planned Parenthood. And... She just simply knew she could not keep quiet about it. She's here to tell us her story and explain why she went from being one of Planned Parenthood's biggest, strongest advocates to one of their fiercest adversaries. Welcome, Myra, to the Moms for America podcast. We're so glad to have you joining us today. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me here. It's such a pleasure and honor to join Moms for America today. Well, we always love to know a little bit about the moms and their families. So can you tell us about uh, what your family consists of? What's your tribe like over there? Well, um, we're Latinos, right? Born <laughs> and raised in Mexico. So you can imagine it's a large family. Uh, my husband and I have six kids. Nice. And, um, you know, I always like to tell people, you know, how the Latinos are when the kids are not, when the kids leave home, then the parents move in, right? That's how we are. <laughs> That's how Latinos are. You know, we're very family oriented, very state in the United, you know, uh, so my dad lives here. My mom uh, comes and goes to different houses between my brothers and I. Oh. So I do have two brothers. Uh, one lives in California and then one lives here in Phoenix, Arizona. 
um, and they each have their kids. And we moved to this country when we're, uh, I was about 17 years of age. So I've been here most of my life. I would like to say that it's my country. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, I'm sure. But that's my family, you know. So my parents are in their 70s. So I was a chosen one to take care of them as I'm the girl. Uh, You know, they didn't choose me. I chose them. So that's what it is. That's my family dynamic. Oh, that's wonderful. And six kids, you're pretty busy there. So between uh, your your parents and the kids uh, and all you're doing, you're busy mama over there. So thank you. I'm excited to share your story and really what you've uh, done here in America to um, fight for our country and fight for our kids. So let's talk a little bit about your experiences with Planned Parenthood. Um, when you started here, you believed as a, as a young woman that you were providing services for women. Um, you were pro-choice um, and you, you, you just felt you didn't, you weren't thinking about the abortion industry as much as I guess, as you were about providing services. Is that kind of how you came into this? Yes, of course. And actually, when I first started working for Planned Parenthood, I was very pro-life. I mean, I was born and raised Catholic in Mexico right. City. So, I mean, I have heard about abortions, but I wasn't that knowledgeable on it, if you okay. may call it that way, right? I mean, abortions were illegal back then in Mexico City, back then in Mexico. So knowing about abortions were not a topic of daily discussion at home at your dinner table, right? Because mm-hmm. that didn't happen in your country. Right. So when I joined Planned Parenthood um, and I heard I didn't know they do abortions at the beginning, my friend told me they help women. And obviously they did tell me on the interview. So what do you think about abortion? And I thought I answered like a great Catholic person. I wouldn't have one. But if someone else does, that's their problem. Right. Like that's between Mm -hmm. them and God. Right. I wouldn't have one, to be honest with you. I will never had an abortion. Um, I had a miscarriage, my first pregnancy, and that broke me so much that to me, the thinking of abortion was not nearby. But I was hired to do preventive services, right? Prevent them from getting there, right? And it is that tactic of Plum Parenthood to change your mindset, right? Uh, uh, slowly by just okay. kind of planting that seed of this is a woman's right to choose. This is the women's mm-hmm. um, right to do whatever she wants with her body. And now go out and inject it into your community, Maida. Okay. So now, Myra, you come in, you start working for Planned Parenthood. Does this uh, clinic do abortions or was that later in your life? It was later on in my life. Okay. I mean, I have gone in and out the abortion facility. When I started working for Planned Parenthood, the location I was on, it was mm-hmm. a uh, two-floor building, not that big, not like the ones you had in Texas or New York or other places in Arizona. The first one where I work at was a two-story. The top floor was the administration, and at the bottom, one side was the abortion facility, one side was the contraceptive clinic. I started on the contraceptive clinic. When they okay. were short-staffed on the abortion side, they will get the contraceptive people to come and help. I was really good at getting blood, really, really good. Because that's what I went to school for in Mexico City. I was a phlebotomist, if you want to oh. call it something. I was okay. a lab technician in Mexico City. I graduated with a technical diploma. So uh, basically, I was really good at getting blood samples and doing lab runs and really fast. So at the beginning, I helped them. Like it was back in those days when they would line up women in the street and then I would poke their finger one after the other. And once I was done with that, I would go back to my preventive side. 
Okay. So you had minimal experience on the abortion side. Uh, your um, everyday work for, you know, full time was over there at the preventative care, which is yes. obviously handing out contraceptives. And then if someone did want to talk about an abortion, then you would refer them. Yes. You know, little by little, I was trained to sell abortions. Okay. Say that again. Little by little, you were trained to sell abortions because this is yes. something that the, we have to understand this is Planned Parenthood's top moneymaker is abortion. And everyone yes. knows that. That's very clear. This is how they survive. This is their mission. Exactly. Exactly. And little by little, they train you to do the selling part, right? Uh, and you and the way they move your chip around your brain is like, you're just helping women. You know, you're helping that 16-year-old go back to school. You're helping that mom with the three kids to be able to afford to have uh, uh, the three kids, right? You're helping that college kid to graduate and become a lawyer one day, mm -hmm. right? So that chip that they keep planting you, you know, this is what they need and they will be better, right? I think one of the biggest lies that I, that I told women and that they told me and that I strongly believe, call me naive, um, a lot of people will call me dumb and that's fine, but it was abortion is safer than pregnancy. I remember saying that to them so many times. That That is shocking that they would give you that verbiage and that they could convince you of that because we know that abortion is not safer than pregnancy. Right, but they list you all the possibilities, all these bad scenarios that could happen on a pregnant woman, right? Like she could yeah. end up with this, she could end up with diabetes, she could end up with this, she could end up with that. And then wow. you start believing it. But we'll talk about why you actually believe the lies, right? Yeah, we'll talk right. about it in the later part. So now after 16 years, you then were moved up in the organization. Tell us about that and how your role changed. You actually became a clinic director. Is that correct? Well, actually, you know, in um, about 2019, I mean, 2010, I became um, the director of the first non-abortion facility. Then I became the training coordinator for the state of Arizona, meaning I will train all the staff in Arizona. Then I became the director of another facility. So by 2016, I was already directing two facilities simultaneously, Flagstaff wow. and Phoenix, Arizona, because of all that awesome job by Myra, you know, like I was their golden child, you know, I was a very loyal employee. I was dedicated. Mm. I was always there. You know, I work harder than anyone. Why? Because as an immigrant, I was thanking them for the American dream. They gave me that, right? They mm. gave me that empowerment as an immigrant that maybe no one else could have given me, right? Mm. And so I thought. So you were just right. right you were dedicated to this opportunity. And I they had convinced you that you were doing good. Yes. And I was very dedicated to the mission and vision of this company, right? I call them a corporation now. I don't ever call them a nonprofit or organization. They're a corporation. Sure. So I was very dedicated to their business. Let's say it that way. And um, they gave me employee of the year award in wow. 2016. And, and that was chosen by all the employees. Like they voted and they voted for me. You know what, right now, actually, Myra, I'd like to just pause for a moment because the the uh, messaging that they taught you is really the messaging that they're teaching this culture. So really to the moms that are listening, what they taught you as a director or an employee is what they're selling to our children, right? You can't go to school. You can't complete your, your dreams or your goals. And, you know, you can't take care of your children. You can't have babies and survive and be successful, basically. 
So this is really what not only did they teach you as an employee, but what they've what they're teaching the culture, correct? Exactly. Yes, that's what they're teaching. That's what they're injecting them. You know, and little by little, what do we see that they're calling all this love? This is for love. You know, a mom kills their baby for love. You know, love to herself first, you know, uh, love to the other children, love to her career, right? Or, or all the other mm -hmm. ideology that they're calling love too, right? Mm -hmm. And if we love them, we will let them do whatever they want with their bodies and not even interfere. That's what they're calling. They're calling it love and confusing our young children with such a beautiful word given by our God. Yeah. That love, that's not what love means. Love right. means taking care of each other. Mm. I just wanted to pause for that because I just want our moms to just understand that this isn't what's happening just with employees. This is obviously what's happening through our culture and they're targeting black and brown communities all across the country, right? That's what Planned Parenthood comes in and that's where they set up shop is in the black and brown communities continually, right? I'm sure you saw that and I'm just speaking to yes. you just as a, as a Latina woman. Yes, exactly. I mean, I was hired because I was Hispanic. I was an immigrant. They needed me to go out into the immigrant communities, attract white. I mean, let's remember, this is how it all started. 1938, Harlem, New York, Black people working for Margaret Sanger at the Black centers. So then they, these Black people will come. Why? Because we tend to see if it's our race, they're not against us. They're caring for us. Therefore, they should not sell us something that will harm us, right? Like right. it's our people. What would our people try to hurt us? Wow. Well, let's talk about now. So we've established that you were very involved in Planned Parenthood, top employee, director, trainer, all this stuff. And somehow something within you started not adding up correctly. And you basically went on to be a whistleblower and expose what started happening in your mind, in your heart? What were you starting to see now? Because you were really, um, you were in leadership. So you saw things that you didn't see 10, 15 years ago. Right. So, well, remember I told you got the Employee of the Year Award. I'm, right. I'm already directing two centers. And then they go, right. hey, Myra, I want you to be the director of the abortion facility in Arizona, the biggest one, the one that operates seven days a week, Monday wow. through Sunday. And I was like, oh, no, thank you. I've been happy on the other side, right? I'm right. happy where I am. I've been here 16 years. No need to get involved. And they were like, eh, no choice. You're going to take it because Trump will defund us and we will close the Title 10 centers and you won't have a job. That moment, you know, everything crosses your mind. You're like, do I do it? Do I not do it? So then I jump in and took care of the abortion facility at the end of 2016. The largest abortion facility in Arizona. I just want to say that once again. Okay. Seven days a week, my friend. Wow. Seven wow. days a week. I mean, they operate Sunday through Saturday. What was so, the culture like going into something like this now? Because again, you were before you were training, it was preventative. Now you're basically seeing yes. rotating destruction of life. Yeah. See, and in my naive mind, I was like, well, I'm never directly involved, right? I'm always on this side. Okay. You know, I'm preventing. I used to argue with people in the side and be like, hey, I prevent more abortions than you do because I give them the pills. Right. Or, or I give them the sex education in school. So I do a better job than you do in the sidewalk. Right. So I thought then I jump in and become the director of the biggest abortion facility. And I start seeing, well, the first thing you said, right, 
what is it like on that? I didn't want the job because I knew that it was a hard clinic mm. to manage. Employees were not happy. Dealing mm. with the abortionist was a nightmare. Well, of course, they think they're God. Can you imagine? They pick and choose who lives and dies. So uh. they behave like that. They're arrogant. They're mean. They're inhumane. They're literally not like sometimes I think they're not even human because some of them are such a cold-hearted people. You know, and then the patients, the patients are unhappy to be there. Of course, no woman is happy to be at an abortion facility. Of course. They're, they're, they're sad to be there. They're worried. They don't want that. I don't care how many TikToks we see today of people jumping happy. I'm getting my abortion. It's not true. I was there. Mm-hmm. Not ever did a woman walk through that door celebrating that she was having an abortion. They don't want to be there. So can you imagine what it feels like to be there? It's darkness. So of course I didn't want it because the employee retention, it's horrible. They don't want to work there. They go for employees like, I mean, they last what? Like my my scenario was the one in a million because why? I wasn't directly involved with abortion. Because I mean, if you speak to other directors like Abby Johnson, what did they last? Six, eight years? Right. Top right. And most of employees are tough. Right. What a tough industry to be a part of. I mean, you're you, nobody's waking up every day feeling like, hey, I'm a, even though I know they're talking you into it, it has got to be so uh, dark and sad and oppressive. Um, so I can't even imagine, like you said, what is the retention rate? And now you, you now, you start seeing things that are very questionable. Let's talk about what you saw and what, what are some of the examples? Because I, we don't know, what is it to blow the whistle on Planned Parenthood? What were you noticing that was wrong, dangerous? Let's just say downright dangerous to young women. Because they say yes. they're safe, but you're mm-hmm. saying they're not safe. Nope. By no means. By all means. You know, the other day I was speaking at a conference. And they asked me, so how many women do you think get hurt on abortion? I said 100%. Every single one of them gets hurt. So what is it that I started noticing? You know, Mm -hmm. the first thing was, I was told for so many years, what I do at the preventive side, it's what matters because abortion is only 3%, Myra. Well, the deposit from this abortion facility was over 20 grand. My other locations barely deposited $1,000. That's on a very good day, right? So I was like, that's on 3%. I have okay. a quota to see at least 45 patients a day, 45 women for abortion. I barely saw 12, 15 patients on a good day on the other side. So that's so your like, quota. Wow. Okay. So they want 45 potential abortions walking through that door or completed probably. Week, remember? Seven days a week. Wow. Seven days a week, not just Monday through Friday, but the seven days, at least 45 women walk through that door. 15 abortion pills and 30 surgicals. And then I started seeing that women were getting hurt. They were getting perforated almost daily. And it was the medical What what happens there? What happens when a perforation happens? Well, a perforation is very easy to happen. Why? Because the instrument that they're using to perform the abortion, and just so people know, there's no way, like just this is the way they have done abortion since 1970s. They have no other way to do it. A lot of people will argue, well, well, maybe they maybe they develop a better technique. There is no way to make abortion safe. There's no way. They came up with the pill, it's still not safe. Right. So when those instruments go in, 
um, and they break the urine wall, that's called a perforation. It's very easy to happen. Yeah. You wouldn't know that most of the abortions don't even notice that they have perforated a woman. And that's why on the surgical pre-op um, consent, it says you could be perforated. We, we can perforate you. You can lose your life. You can right, die You sign today. away on this. You sign your rights sign away, away, I'm sure. Right. You sign your right. You sign your your safety rights to plant parenthood. And this is why we don't see a lot of losses because they signed it, right? Sure. They knew this were with the consequences, whether yeah. the patient really actually understood what that meant. Why? Because I was trained to train my employees and they were trained at the abortion facilities that when a woman asked, well, how often does this happen? Well, not that often, 38%. Well, of course, because they don't, A, they don't notice when they do it, B, when it happens, they don't report it, which was the other thing I called, I blew the whistle on, not reporting the consequences or or any reaction by the woman or any kind of uh, problem happening during the abortion was not reported. And by law, it has to be reported. Now, I'm lucky we're in a state that we have to report that, right? Because okay. California doesn't have to, Oregon doesn't have to, Washington State doesn't have to. I mean, I can name about oh. 15 states in our country that don't have to report complications, but Arizona did require complications to be reported. And so that was not happening. Let me make sure I understand this. So not only were there almost 40% of perforations happening, then they would falsify the documents, the patient's charts and saying that there weren't complications. Yes, yes. Actually, mm -hmm. I will tell you that over 60% of the patients will come back with some sum of complication that was not reported, 60%. Like it was a big percentage. We will get records from the hospitals that they had to repair them surgically. He will still refuse to put it on there. He will still refuse to alert the health department that that has happened. And then unfortunately, uh, somewhere along the line, the hospital didn't have to report it anymore. He sends it back to the original doctor for him to do the reporting. Wow. Passing the buck back and forth, hoping that somebody drops the information and doesn't get calculated or reported. Of course. What about blood pressure numbers? I saw something about here. Yes. Um, that was another situation, right? Yes, it was. So for the abortion pill, there has to be a certain, your blood pressure has to be in normal range, right? They will constantly tweak in the numbers. Like, for example, I remember one day one of the employees said, Myra, I've already checked your blood pressure three times. It's high. But he said he's going to check it for her. And his is normal. And I was like, hmm. Now, who do we trust? The one that checks blood pressure all the time or the actual physician that hardly ever has to do a blood pressure check? I mean, mm -hmm. I understand he's a physician and he thinks he's God and, and corrected him. It's like a big no-no. If you ever had to deal with doctors, most of them, you can't correct them, right? Because they think they're the top of the human chain. So uh, correcting a doctor. So she was like, but I know it's not true. And I'm like, of course it's not true because that employee had checked the blood pressure with a machine manually. And then he came in and took it manually. And it was like something right. way off of what she just had it. And they did that constantly, including iron levels, you know, tweaking the results, ultrasound, you know, mm. so they will fall into the guidelines of the gestational legal size, you know, and that's a common practice in, in our country, sadly, in the world. It mm. is a common practice that they will twitch on. Why? Because they know that no one's going to come and say, hey, give me all the ultrasounds and let me make sure they were done properly and hire mm. someone that actually 
investigates that those ultrasounds were done properly. I mean, I used to be an ultrasound trainer. I used to train people, me, with just a medical lab technician diploma from Mexico and some college courses from here. I get trained to do ultrasounds and I train people to do ultrasounds. But still, and that is a common thing in the abortion industry. They don't have to have ultrasonographers that went to school for two years to get a license to do that. All they have to do is do uh, gestational sizing training and no mm. one comes after them and said, let me look at those ultrasounds and make sure you're doing them right. Myra, is it true? And I've heard this just, you know, collection of people speaking about Planned Parenthood, that these clinics have some of either the worst doctors, failed doctors, uh, and just the worst um, type of surgical uh uh, you know, um, they have no high standards, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like you're saying that you don't have to be trained and have a certain degree of um, medical uh, to to work in these clinics. It's like, it's, there's, there's no, it's like the wild, wild west. There's really no l- level of importance when you're dealing with a woman's life. I, I don't get it. Well, you know what should scare you that out of in the abortion yes in the abortion industry Planned Parenthood is the one closest closest they don't but they're closer to try to meet the standards can you imagine the private abortionists and no one even cares that they exist that no one even knows they do abortions can you imagine that? I mean, Planned Parenthood knows that they're the eye of the hurricane whether they like it or not so they they kind of try but it, it but who's helping them i mean right. right now i own a trucking company deb and if my truck got stopped by the dot the us dot on the highway and the tire is worn out or there's something wrong with the truck like an engine light on he will stop the truck i will have to get it towed get all the freight of the truck of the truck and deliver it some other way lose a lot of money sure. but the abortion industry I was called to schedule my inspection. You heard me. Uh, the inspector from the health department will say, Myra, we'll be there between May 25th and May 28th, between 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Does that work for you? <laughs> I mean, you have seen right. them going to You've a restaurant. You've got plenty of time, right. You've got plenty of time to get your act together. We're going to and- check this. We're going to check that. We need are. 10 charts of this. We need 10 charts of that. So Planned Parenthood legal team will pull up the 20 charts that look correct and perfect and hand that over. Unreal. You also said that minors, you didn't report that minors were being um, impregnated by adults. Like there was just so many things that were so wrong. Which is called a statutory rape. But are we surprised that the abortion industry is aiding human trafficking and sex trafficking? No. I mean, that's not a surprise, but they constantly look the other way. You know, it's like, right. Myra, just do your job. Ask her if she's right. safe at home. Right. So they would even confess certain things and they would just go on and just per- proceed down their way of providing abortions. Altogether, unqualified workers, not qualified doctors, obviously, um, manipulative. We can't even um, call them doctors. If right. At this point, can we call abortionists doctors? No, no. No, no, you're right. Absolutely. But just the whole, it, it's just such a bad scene. I can't even imagine what all you saw. You even re- report here that um, that there was uh, the baby's body parts were left in the woman's body. 
Yes. You saw that. It, that was my wake up call. That, that was it. That, that was, was the it. top of the iceberg. That that was it. That was it. It was a 14, uh, 14 week baby on a 19 year old. And he had left the baby head inside above an IUD that he had inserted. An IUD, it's a preventive contraceptive tea, like a, a tea made out of copper that they insert on women. And he had already inserted that on the 19 year old at her mom's request. Right. And um, they couldn't find the baby head. The state of Arizona had a legislation that said that he could he was not even supposed to insert that IUD before making sure that all the baby parts were accounted for. But he constantly will do this. He falsified the affidavits that the state had in place. He will just literally sign them whenever he wanted to and stamp them whenever he wanted to. And then um, he didn't even go check in the room. Of course, he has to see 45 women at least every 15 minutes. I always like to say a dentist takes longer just telling you what he's going to do in your mouth than an right. abortion is killing a baby, dismembering right. a baby. Oh, so tragic. the employee came out and said, we're missing the head and he's not listening. He already inserted oh. and he's moving to the next room. I don't know what to do. I know he's going to fire me. So we went in the back and argued with him. He agreed to repeat the ultrasound. We found the baby head above the IUD. So that 19 year old in less than 30 minutes, had two aspirations on. They inserted the IUD twice and they didn't tell her anything. He did not document it. Wow. And I'm telling you, even during my court case, oh. when we brought up the chart, it was still not documented. But you saw it. You know, you know, everyone knows what's happening at these clinics. Everyone knows what's happening in their workplace. People talk, people discover, people understand. So let's talk about this now. So that that was it for you. Now you, you have been in a journey of questioning, disappointed. Yes. Um, long nine months. Right, long nine months and seeing nine months, isn't that crazy? Um, yes. Term of a baby. Um, but you knew now you had to do something. You felt really God was just asking you in your soul to speak the truth. What did you do and who did you speak to? Well, I left the clinic that day, called my supervisor and said, that's it. I. I mean, you don't do any something. I will. I will call the health department. I will call the medical board. I will call the federation. I will say I have all the documentation. I have been keeping proof of all the the errors okay. he has done, of all the wrong things he has done, and I will do something about this. I don't care if you fire me. I don't care what happens to me, but I will right. not stop until he stopped touching women. And you can wow. imagine what happened. A few days later, I did get fired. Plumper mm-hmm. fired me, uh, accusing me of having narcotics on my desk while I was out. Can you imagine it? Imagine that you're working in an office and you're gone for a few days because they send you to another location. And then uh, they call you to a meeting and they're like, hey, well, you were out from your office in Glendale, Arizona. We found narcotics. Now you're fired. Bye. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so now, right, right. Total setup. So now they're dishonest with you. They want to just frame you, basically, discredit you, but you didn't let them stop you, from what I understand. <laughs> well, if you think about it, it was very easy, right? Let's blame the immigrant from having drugs in her desk. Who's going right. to not believe right. this, right? right? So right. obviously that was not oh, playing but, on my side. Right. But Myra, they're forgetting the fact that you're employee of the year. You know, you have yes. all of the, you, you know, all of this, uh, accolades from from this company that appreciated you but now all of a sudden you're not right because you don't agree with them 
So how right. did this, how did this lawsuit go? Who did you speak to? You went on, did you go to the health department? Yeah, I, I think they were also counting on the fact that they hire me being an undocumented person that if you heard right. I moved to this country with a tourist visa, but I became undocumented and they knew that. They knew I didn't have the oh. right paperwork to work in this country and they didn't care. I wasn't the only one in that situation working for Plum Parenthood. They have many employees without documents working for them. So I then see. they thought, ma, she's not going to do anything, you know, she's just an immigrant, right? So when I left, I mean, thanks to the people on the sidewalk, um, I met my lawyer, Tim Casey, and you can just imagine that first appointment at his office. I mean, I told him my story and they sent me up and they did this and then did that. And he goes, I believe you. I believe you. And he decided to take on my case and we took them to court um, and we took them to court in 2017. And it was a wrongful termination under the Whistleblower Protection Act, which yeah. thankfully it exists in this state and in this beautiful country. And we took on Plum Parenthood, and that lawsuit lasted almost two years. Okay. Uh, August 2019, we went to trial. Just so you know, all members of the jury were pro-choice and pro-abortion and pro-Plum Parenthood. The judge was a Democrat. I like to say that because her biography says for women's rights, for productive rights. So we all know what that means. It's the secret lovely word to call it pro-abortion. And so against all odds, the truth won in that courtroom. With God's help, we took on Planned Parenthood and in a unanimous decision, the jury sided with me and that the Planned Parenthood done wrong by terminating me when I blew the whistle. Wow. What a story, mama. What a story. I mean, I'm sure that was not easy. I'm sure that was some difficult days, but now- Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah, thank but as you. a mom, you know, you, you tell your kids to speak the truth. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that I told my son, you know, when you see something, do something. Don't let kids get in bully. Like right. when you see something wrong, it's time to speak up. And so how could you stay quiet? To me, right. it was an obligation. Speaking up was an obligation. I couldn't live with myself. So here, I want to ask you, so wrongful termination for that was your lawsuit. Yes. Was this clinic exposed for the horrendous acts and uh, falsifying documentation and unsafe uh, clinic? Was any of that exposed? Well, my case exposed them, but if your question is, has anything legally right. happened to them? The answer is no. Okay. Because again, the abortion industry literally gets away with murder. Right, literally, right. So that clinic still functioning and uh, probably still practicing with the same yes. terrible code. Seven days a week, seven days a week. And, and you know, um, hmm. they Plum Parenthood does this every time that something like this happens, you know, yeah. when they know that they're going to get close to getting um, like exposed, they just come and clean house. They get rid of the abortionists. They get rid of the CEO. They get rid of all the employees. You know, it's like, I'm, we're going to start fresh. So okay. if anyone questions them, then they go, oh yeah, but that's why everyone's gone. We're starting fresh. Right. So yeah, they clean the slate just to do it all over again. Exactly. So now, I, this is what I love now. So fast forward, you actually do a lot of speaking for life, right? And you yes. started a, a group called Democrats for Life to speak to Latinos about political issues and about uh, abortion and, you know, the cultural issues. I love the way that you're approaching this. Tell, tell our audience. 
Well, uh, Democrats for Life has existed. You know, I know a lot of people don't know about them. But when I joined them, it was to create that chapter of Hispanic Democrats for Life, which is, to me, I got, I was fooled by the Democrat Party too, you know? Like, I'm going to convince something here. I was a big fan of Obama. I know, I know. You know, I was naive. Right. Sure. I believe what the media told me. I believe right. they were the good guys. And then, of course, he wanted me to continue having a job. Right. So, of course, I mean, I was in favor of Obama. I worked for Planned Parenthood. And believe it or not, when I started working for Planned Parenthood, I didn't know what being in politics involved Planned Parenthood meant. To me, it was a medical mm. facility. Why did they care who wins or loses the White House? Well, after a few years, I started understanding what it means. It means money to Planned Parenthood. Sure. If the Democrat Party is in the House, yep. it's a lot of millions of dollars for them. But if the Democrat Party is not in the House, it's defunded. So then I start getting why. And I saw that the, my Latino community gets misinformed a lot too. So obviously when you come in uh, with anything red and knock on the door, well, they're not going to talk to you, right? Because the media yeah. has told them that Republicans hate them. You yeah. know, the, the, the bad hombres, right? They like to put that word around like, like if Trump had said something outrageous, right? When we know that a lot of people across our border, I mean, I'm Mexican. I can right. tell you that a lot of people crossing the border are bad hombres. It's not our fault. They do exist, right. you know? So, but the Latino are confused thinking that the Democrats are the only ones on the side of the Latino. And my message to them always, when I speak to the communities about Democrat or Republican parties, if a politician is willing to let anyone killed your child up to birth, they don't care about you. Right. They will never care about you. A politician that is not willing to protect the most vulnerable does not care. Right. But the Democrat Party has done such a good job fooling the immigrant side yeah, by promising them a false promise that there will be an immigration reform that will never exist. Yeah. So you use this organization just as um, as a connection, actually, as a place where everybody can kind of speak uh, truth instead of really about a political party. And, and I love that Democrats for Life, because it is kind of, I think a lot of Latinas, obviously, like you said, are, you know, with the Democratic Party, but yet they're they're pro-life. So it's it's a great combination it's a good place to start with them. Thank you for doing that. I, I, I just think and that of that course is we have to switch the Democrat side, right? right? Because otherwise we have to get into those. We Democrats. have to go we to them, to. right? We, we have, have to, to go to them and help explain yes. and understand. And your story is so powerful because you went through this entire journey. You came in, you know, you you came in, you saw um, what was really there and you were willing to understand and change and then be the change. So thank you for what you're doing. And and what do you say to Latina moms that are listening or that uh, we've had Latina friends or just moms in general about this culture and just really kind of um, some words of advice from where you came to where you are now. I'd love to hear that from you, Myra. Well, to me, this new killing culture, let's call it killing because it's not only about abortion now, right? It's about euthanasia right. too. Right. It's an attack to our culture. It's an attack to the Latino culture. I mean, Deb, yeah. I'm very happy to tell you that I have over 40 cousins, 
you know, that's who Latinos are, you know, like <laughs> you have family when you didn't Big even families, know your family yes. existed. That's who we are. That is our culture. And that is the African-American culture too. big families. But this killing new era, it's just attacking our culture. They don't want us to reproduce. They don't want a lot of us. And that's exactly what the Latino need to understand. When someone asks you, when we train or we teach our kids to kill their children, Mm. eventually they will have no problem killing us. Right. We desensitize them. Yes. That when I was 16, I was pregnant and I shouldn't be carrying the burden of a child. Therefore, I should kill my child. Then when you are 70, 80 years old, I shouldn't carry the burden of a parent. Then I should kill my parent. Right. And right. that's what we teach them. We teach our children to kill their children. And therefore, they will eventually have no problem putting us to sleep too. Right. And that's what we need to change our culture. It is. It is a culture war of death. Life has become something that is just completely not respected. And it is, it's like, once you desensitize our children between abortions and guns and games and then depression and drugs. And, and so, I mean, we, we're, we're doing such an injustice to this next generation that there is not even any hope for them. But I love that we as moms all across the country are standing up and saying, no, you are not taking our children. You are not taking next generation. We are fighting for hope and life and truth. And thank you, Myra, for what you did. Thank you for standing for truth. And thank you for being such an inspiration. I mean, come on. A lot of people would not have risen to the occasion, but you ran into it. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, it is an honor to just join my voice to many of the voices that already exist in this movement that know the truth. You know, it took yeah. me a while. You know, but now when it reverses much of the damage that I created, you know, one of the things that scares me is how many of those crazy teenagers on the street that chant my body, my choice are doing that because I went to their school and planted that seed. So now I want to plant the seed for the opposite, you know, like tell them, uh, I'm sorry. Those were a bunch of lies that I was told to tell you. And the truth is this. And the truth is what they can never hide and it will prevail. Well, thank you, Myra. Thank you for um, being a voice for life. And thank you for joining Moms for America in Arizona. I mean, that is so wonderful. We're glad to have you on board. And, um, you know, we're moms uniting all across the country and fighting for faith, family, freedom, the constitution. So thank you for joining our team. Yeah. It takes a mom, right? It takes, it takes a, mom, a mom to take back our country. <laughs> That's right. That's what we believe. Our moms are going to save our country. So God bless you. And thank you for sharing your story. And I hope to meet you in person soon. Oh, I hope so too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Moms for America. What an amazing story. Wow. Moms like Myra changing the culture and fighting for life. Thanks again, Myra. Uh, we appreciate you sharing your story. Well, obviously, this is just another example of the darkness behind Planned Parenthood. We've heard this over and over again. It is a culture of death there. Mom, that's why we need to continue to fight and expose and educate our children about the truth, just like Myra did. Uh, We have a lot of information about Planned Parenthood, a lot of information on our website. Again, I want to encourage you to stop by and check it out. Uh, Here at Moms for America, we are here to help you uh, learn about the culture, learn about resources. 
opportunities to teach our children. Uh, if you can go ahead, we want to tell everyone, if you can go ahead and sign up for our newsletter, this is how you'll find out about a lot of the information that we share. You can check out an, our newsletter and sign up for it on our website, which is momsforamerica.us. Uh, when you're there, we also want to share with you about our signature program, which is Cottage Meetings. This is another great resource that, that you can help educate and inspire your kids. Moms absolutely love the Cottage Meetings. You'll say, well, what is it? You'll find that on our website, but let me just tease it. It's 12 lessons that inspire and educate you about America's amazing heritage. So you can teach your children about the principles of liberty in your home and in your community. Again, this is all about us as moms training and teaching and educating our children. This program, along with many of our other programs on our website, will help you impact your family in a very powerful way. We say from parental rights to public policy, from the kitchen table to Congress, uh, Moms for America is here to help you with resources and information, right? We always say this strong mama, strong home. Doesn't mean that we're perfect, but if we can build up our moms and help them learn about America's history, learn about what's happening in the culture, they can go back and teach that to their children at their kitchen table when they pray with them in the evening. We say this every night, moms. We believe that liberty begins at home and that you truly, you moms, you are the heartbeat of America. That's why this movement, Moms for America, is so powerful because it's moms just like you, saving our children and saving our country. So we love you, moms. Uh, I hope you join us next week for another inspiring and informative discussion for moms just like you. Also, Remember, let's keep changing our world one home at a time. Hope to see you next week.